Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and the Market. I'm Hong Ben Jung. The World Gold Council's latest gold demand trends report reveals that global gold demand in the third quarter of this year hit 1,181 tons. That's up 28% year on year. And for Singapore alone, consumer demand for gold increased 58% year on year in quarter three. To find out more about what's led to the surge in demand, joining us on the phone is Andrew Naylor, regional CEO excluding China and public policy at World Gold Council. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us once again. So global gold demand in the third quarter of 2022 is up 28% year on year. How strong of a demand was this? And It is strong. Um, it really means that on a year-to-date basis, We've now returned to pre-pandemic levels, um, mm-hmm. and this, you know, across Asia. I mean, you mentioned Singapore, but across Asia, uh, in, in particular, consumer uh, demand for for gold is up, as is central bank demand. It's a bit of a mixed picture. So, institutional investment demand uh, is is down. That's driven by um, uh, ETF outflows, for example. And that's mm-hmm. because institutions behave a bit differently to to individuals when it comes to when it comes to gold mm-hmm. um, but consumer demand which always acts as a as a buffer if you like a cushion mm. uh, for global demand that is up and that has led to a 20% uh, 28% so a year on year increase in demand for gold why why this surge in demand what of gold is attractive for these consumers well consumers they they buy bars coins and jewelry mm-hmm. uh, so physical gold um, and the consumer Consumer, the big consumer markets for gold, primarily in Asia, mm-hmm. um, gold is it's a global market. So you get institutional investment worldwide. When it comes to jewellery, in particular, that's a that's really an Asian play, uh, mm-hmm. driven by China and India, and to, to some extent ASEAN. And what we've seen is that global gold jewellery consumption that's recovered now mm-hmm. uh, to pre-pandemic levels. It's up 10% year on year to just over uh, it's about 520 tons of gold, mm-hmm. um, and one of the reasons for this is the pullback in local gold price. Mm. So when the gold price softens, which it has done this year, mm-hmm. um, that tends to spur greater consumer demand for obvious reasons. Mm. You know, it becomes a bit more, more affordable. So that has certainly helped. But then when it comes to bar and coin demand, the drivers are slightly different. So bar and coin demand globally is up um, uh, quite significantly as well by about 36% year on year. And we've seen a recovery uh, in, in lots of major markets, including mm-hmm. in, in Europe, not just in Asia. Um, and one of the big drivers behind uh, bar and coin demand uh, for gold is, is concerns about inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on the top of people's minds now. And it's, it's in that sort of scenario that you get greater um, uh, consumer demand for, for bars and coins. Mm, so to give a little bit of context to maybe some of our listeners new to investing and investing in gold, why do more investors look towards gold when there is high inflation? Well, data suggests that gold can be an effective inflation hedge. Mm-hmm. Not the only inflation hedge. Um, there are others out there, but they're really for you know for institutional investors. For the retail market, when you think about inflation hedge, really gold is one of the only um, assets that is is uh, widely available to you. But if you look at how gold performs in times of inflation, so we, mm-hmm. we've done a lot of research on this, and when inflation is low, and by that we, we mean lower than 3%, um, uh, 
um, the average annual return on gold is closer to 8% mm-hmm. outperforming inflation. But when in- inflation is high, and that's when inflation is, um, is above 3%, and that's really where we are uh, worldwide now in, in most markets, uh, the average annual return for gold is close to 13%. So it can, um, it's, it's not the only inflation hedge, um, but it can, if you look at historical performance, it can act as an inflation uh, hedge. But there are, there are a number of other reasons as well that, that consumers look towards gold mm-hmm. when there's very high inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, linked to that, it's a store of value in the long term, but it's also a liquid asset. It's really easy to buy and sell. Mm-hmm. Globally, uh, gold trades about $145 billion every day. Uh, which is a you know it's a huge market, wow. but for the for the individual, uh, what that really means in practice is that it's relatively easy to buy and sell gold, uh, particularly if you don't break the chain of custody. So if you go to a gold shop, buy gold, keep it there, mm-hmm. um, it, it's quite easy to sell it back to the the supplier or to the retailer um, when you want to. So you can cash out if you need uh, if you need cash quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a diversifier. It performs differently to other asset classes. Uh, particularly in downturns. And finally, it's a safe haven asset. And right. it's considered a safe haven, yes, because of its financial performance, but also because it's a physical asset. Mm-hmm. It's portable, and when it's physical and you own it outright, there's no counterparty risk. So there's lots of different reasons why investors look at gold, mm-hmm. and it's really its, its uniqueness. There isn't really an asset class uh, mm. elsewhere like it. And let's look at Singapore alone. Gold demand increased 58% year-on-year. Year. Why? Um, the main driver is, is, um, is, is Singapore's robust economic recovery. I mean, mm. one of the, the biggest driver behind uh, consumer demand um, is rising incomes and is a positive economic outlook. It's, and Singapore has weathered the COVID, uh, global COVID crisis well, um, there's been a general, um, uh, you know, strong economic recovery in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Not immune to the global issues of inflation and rising uh, interest rates and, and so on. Um, and growth is, is starting to slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, you know, we're nowhere near a recession territory in, in Singapore, and Singapore's likely to be an outperformer. So that um, uh, that sort of economic confidence uh, translates into into greater. Uh, gold demand, and we've had, you know, it's it, it, the figure of 58%. That's total uh, consumer demand. But when you break it down, we've seen a robust recovery in uh, bar and coin demand, which is up by 55%, and also jewelry demand, which is up by um, uh, a very large 61%. Mm-hmm. And earlier, before the start of the show, Rachel talked about this Bloomberg article about even central banks are buying gold for the zombie apocalypse. Um, in your report, the central banks have also bought a record amount of gold last year, with Turkey and Qatar being the most recent buyers. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, central banks, um, you know, have been have been net buyers for some time now. Mm-hmm. Um, the reasons are, are similar um, to an individual when you're thinking about gold mm. as a financial asset. It's diversifier and it's a very liquid asset. So central banks, if they need emergency funding, mm. which is a point of reserves, I mean, the reserves there really to protect national wealth mm-hmm. and to be a, a source of emergency funding if required. Mm. Um, and gold, you know, gold can do that. It's a diversifier and it optimizes portfolios. Um, so that's why, uh, you know, it's an essential part of the reserve asset mix. But as I mentioned before, it's also a very liquid asset. Right, so central right. banks, if they need to, 
they can they can sell it very quickly to access um, emergency funding. Mm. And this this pattern, I mean, the, the the pattern of buying we're seeing it's it, it's reflected in our recent central bank survey. So we, we conduct an annual survey of, of central banks, and a quarter of respondents to that survey, which is conducted globally, said they intend to increase their gold reserves in the next twelve months. So it's not unexpected. Uh, that we've seen quite robust mm. buying from the official sector. But you know, not all official institutions publicly report their gold holdings. Who are these so-called unreported buyers? Well, we can't we can't comment or speculate on uh, the policy decisions of individual central mm-hmm. banks. But what I would say is that unreported buying, it's not uncommon uh, as not all official institutions publicly report their gold holdings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's you know that's completely normal. There are some that just choose not to do that. Um, on others, they do do it, but there might be a time lag. So the IMF, they're the major repository of, of mm. uh, central bank um, uh, reserve data. So sometimes there's a time lag, and then some uh, official institutions just choose not to not to report their their gold holdings. So it's not um, you know, it's not unsurprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, you know, as I as I, as I mentioned, um, uh, what central banks are doing is consistent with. Uh, certainly our survey results, but how we would expect gold to perform in times of heightened risk, which is what we're in now. Um, and if you look at you know, what's happened, certainly over the last two years, central banks have been uh, consistently increasing their reserves. Mm-hmm. And uh, the third quarter this year, that actually marks the eighth consecutive quarter of net purchases by the official sector. So um, it's to be expected um, and isn't really, uh, isn't really surprising. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've been speaking with Andrew Naylor, regional CEO excluding China and public policy at the World Gold Council. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.